Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology both in our context and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. I'm Pastor Zach. And we thank you for joining us today for an episode that's a little bit late. Uh, it took a, a little while to get this one together. Last week ended up being a busy week for me, particularly because I had a migraine and was out of commission for a day. So that set me back a little bit and needed to write two sermons um, kind of after that. So I walked into Zach's office last week and said, not going to be able to make the podcast happen this week. And, it happens. And, and well, and, and in a way, this it kind of represents that our, our first commitment is to our local congregation and yeah. serving the people here, uh, meeting with people. I had a fair number of visits to make last week, too. And so... Sorry, podcast world, but you you take uh, a back seat at times to um, different things that are happening here at Almond Valley. So uh, now here we are again to talk about um, theology, and that's pretty much what we do more or less in different forms every week yeah. here on Reform Podmatics. It's a very theological podcast. Um, but today we're going to take a little bit of a different approach and ask maybe how theology could be distracting us, could perhaps even be a danger, not in and of itself, but um, the way that we think of theology can go off the rails a little bit at times. And as we record this podcast, Zach and I were just discussing how we're basically going to be preaching to ourselves in public here. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, the main theme of the podcast today is the, the peril and promise of theology, or the possible way that Christians can be distracted from a life of devotion to the Lord, um, distracted from good things by burying our faces in books, by... Um, just getting distracted by uh, knowledge in and of itself instead of and maybe even allowing that to be a replacement for a life of prayer, mm. a life of evangelism, a life of mercy ministry, uh, loving people, caring for our neighbors, uh, seeking the Lord, seeking his face. Sometimes theology can actually get in the way of that, or the pursuit of theology can be a distraction from a well-rounded Christian life. Yeah, there's a few good warnings that I received early on in my uh, approach towards ministry. I wasn't in seminary even yet when my former pastor, Ed Izaki, from Kingsburg Community Church, shout out to all of you guys down there, um, <laughs> he, he told me once, Zach, make sure always that you love people more than you love books. Uh, and that was good advice. He knew me well, and he knew that I needed to hear that. And so that was one thing that always stood out to me, uh, because my own personal tendency is to uh, be very theological. And so as Mark said, this is very much going to be uh, 
us, us preaching to ourselves. Uh, but then another, another good warning for me personally came from a book by J.I. Packer uh, in his book, Knowing God, which is a good title. And in mm-hmm. some ways, it's kind of the theme of this this episode here. Yep. Uh, he talks in one of the, I think it's the second chapter. It's sort of in his intro still, uh, where he talks about the difference between knowing God and knowing about God. And if we're not careful, it can very much feel that us knowing about God is us knowing God. Mm. But that is very much a distinction that needs to be made and often is not made by those who have a zeal for theology. Um, now, I, I too have a zeal for theology. I am somebody who grew up in a fairly non-theological environment. Uh, not that it was atheological mm-hmm. completely, but that was not the uh, really the strong suit of the environment that I grew up in whereas it it tends to be in the Reformed tradition. Um, And so I kind of grew up not really thinking too deeply. And when I found theology and started reading it, I I loved it. And so I started reading it a lot Hmm. and was very into it almost as a hobby. Um, and that's that's a danger for, for those of us whose minds work maybe like mine do, uh, where I love to know things. I'm very curious by nature. Uh, like I, I tell people, I often read Wikipedia pages for fun. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> love it. And so I, I'm one of those weird people who donates <laughs> every year when Wikipedia does its uh, campaign for scrounging up a few dollars from everybody. I, I pay my part because I love Wikipedia. I read so much on Wikipedia. Uh, and Follow I, the rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love to click the links within the Wikipedia pages <laughs> yeah. to the next Wikipedia page. Yep. And so it's just kind of how I am wired uh, is to to love theology. And so for people like me who are out there listening, and I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb here, <laughs> that people who are listening to this are sort of theologically oriented. What message do you need to hear? Well, maybe it's that you simply need to turn off this podcast and other podcasts and pray. Spend mm. some time uh, in in communion with the Lord uh, uh, on your knees, maybe at your bedside or in your study in the morning. Um, just pause and and stop. So that's kind of the heart behind this episode. Yeah, there's a there's a way in which theology can become impersonal and it can yeah. become really detached from the soul. Uh, hopefully, it's not detached from that. And um, another thing we were talking about before we hit record was my favorite theologians are very uh, doxological in why they're even writing theology. And so Herman Bovink and John Kelvin and Jonathan Edwards and preachers like Charles Spurgeon and Martin Lloyd-Jones, they they are very theological, all of them. Yeah. Uh, but there is a personal unction. There's a, there's a, a force behind the theology and a purpose for the theology that is calling people into worship, into yeah. devotion to God, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves and grow in their knowledge of God. And also, even beyond that, there's so frequently a call to do what is good. So to love our neighbor, um, not to allow theology to be isolated in the ivory tower, but to incorporate, for example, knowledge of God as shepherd 
into how we treat other people, and hmm. we desire that that they would be shepherded by the good shepherd, and so we would love them and um, help to provide for the physical needs of people around us, so that they would see that God is good, and uh, yeah. so there's a connection of theology into the real world, where Absolutely. where good theology is being done, um, and that gets into something that we don't talk about a lot on the podcast, but is is very motivational even for the purpose of our podcast, which is this triangle of the Christian life <laughs> that is, is going to be a little bit maybe hard to describe to people who are listening to a podcast. It's a more of a visual um, picture uh, image that helps us understand what the Christian life consists of. And this triangle... Um, obviously has three sides, as triangles do. There's four sides to yes. this triangle. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's mysterious. No. Um, so the triangle has one side that it could be called doctrine. And so every Christian life must, uh, in your Christian life, you must seek doctrine. You must have good doctrine, true doctrines. Hmm. And that's one part of the Christian life. And another side of the triangle is what we could call piety or holiness or um, moral purity uh, or the how we live. And so doctrine connects to how we live. And then the, the last side of it um, I've been uh, I've heard called transformation. So we're always being transformed by the Spirit. When we hear the word, when we live for Christ, um, we're being transformed. And so there isn't a a way that we can live that will be pure but not transformational, or a way yeah. that we can transform others that is actually divorced from doctrine. And so each of these are connected. Um, again, it's doctrine, piety, and transformation. But what often happens in communities or even in whole denominations is that one side of that triangle could be lost or could yeah. be emphasized so much that the other sides of the triangle must be shortened. So today we're really preaching against and teaching against <laughs> making that doctrine side of the triangle so long that it must shorten the piety and the transformation that happens in our lives or in a congregation. Yeah, exactly. We need to be balanced creatures in terms of this triangle, and we need to strive towards that. Uh, you may feel in your heart rising up this thought of, yeah, we need to tell the people who are into theology to stop being so into theology. Step back. And for people <laughs> who are thinking that, maybe they are the ones who need to study some theology, Yeah, who need to figure out, do some, some soul searching and figure out which part of the triangle they tend to gravitate towards themselves and seek to be more balanced. Um, because, yeah, Christianity is more than just a set of beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, according to some people, that's how it would be pitched, as just a set of religious beliefs. Uh, it's also more than just a set of ethics of how to live in this world. Um, it's more than just having a personal relationship with God. Uh, it's it's more than the, those three things because it's the sort of collection of, of all those things all together. Um, and so the Bible will not allow us to think of Christianity in, in any singular category uh, of this triangle. It has to be understood as all three parts working in harmony Um yeah, we can think of the greatest commandment. So, love the Lord your God. Okay, there's a 
I, I would consider that sort of a part of the piety, the call mm-hmm. to piety, to love the Lord, but love the Lord your God with all your heart, piety. soul, mind, and Doctrine. strength. And and so... <laughs> yeah. And um, transformation. There you go. <laughs> right. And then the next is is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and there's and really the, the transformation. Transformational and the, and the piety sort of combined in a yep. really neat way. So you have in the teaching of Christ a... A perfect equilateral triangle, you would say, of hmm. building our lives on true, pure doctrine, um, also striving towards holiness and, and piety, um, right living, and then also, of course, seeing transformation within and around us. Um, and so this episode is is kind of a warning against making that doctrinal side too long. Now, there are other denominations and churches where, for example, the piety is all that matters, and there's less focus on Mm -hmm. doctrine and less focus on really seeing change in the world or change in ourselves, and it's really about just doing the right thing. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. sure many people from evangelical circles have grown up or experienced churches that could be described in that kind of way. It's really about... Is your family healthy? How? What does your your financial life look like? There's all this attention given to right living, and maybe not as much to who is God. Are you growing in knowledge yeah. of God, or are you really living a transformational life as well? So, um, we are are going to talk a little bit about maybe our our theological journeys and how. Um, I would guess that that for Zach, I know I could say for myself, there have been seasons where I have used theology as a little bit of an escape, um, and maybe an escape from the call that God places on me to love my neighbor, to interact with other people. It can be really easy to to dive into books, or for my case, often it's my Bible software on my screen, Hmm. instead of um, going to my neighbor who is hurting and who needs encouragement. Um, and so, um, anyways, backtracking though, how would you say, uh, your, your, your history of theological pursuits has looked? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I said a little bit earlier, but I can, I can spill some more on that. Uh, so I grew up, as I said, in a fairly non-theological environment that would be both at home and in the church. Very, very devoutly Christian, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember, for example, in Sunday school, in middle school, um, I had this great teacher. His name was Jerry, and uh, or Richard, sorry. His name was Richard. <laughs> and there was another guy named Jerry in my church, great guy. And so Richard would say to us as middle schoolers, if I ever call on you and you can't answer the question, you can always say, Jesus loves me, because that's the right answer always. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was kind of like a running joke in our middle school, Sunday school class. If we got called on to ask, and a question was asked of us about something that was being taught, we would just say, Jesus loves me, and we would get away with it. So I knew that Jesus loved me. That was that was clear. Uh, but I didn't have much of a theology <clears throat> or of a depth in theology. Didn't really see the need for it. Uh, didn't think it was all that important until finally later I came crashing into college and realized I need to really know my stuff if I'm going to 
hold on to my faith in any mm. meaningful way here. And so I began really reading a lot of theology and I found that theology was really life-giving. Uh, but the tendency with me then, with the way that I am, was, as I've said, to become more of a hobby, more of just a side interest that I had. I could use it to debate people. Mm. I could use it to... Uh, always justify my actions or whatever it was and it wasn't always the most uh like i don't know good reasons for it i didn't always have good motivations for it i should Mm. say um that was that's of course mixed there was there was some good motivation i really did want to know god better Mm -hmm. and i wanted to understand his ways and i wanted to uh, to worship him more clearly And so there's a quote that has always stood out to me from C.S. Lewis in my own journey, which it maps on to my experience very well. Uh, he says, I believe that many who find that, quote, nothing happens when they sit down or kneel down to a book of devotion, or like a little devotional, often some of us read those. He says, I, I think they would find that their heart sings unbidden while they are working their way through a tough bit of theology with a pipe in their teeth and a pencil in their hand. And so the idea here is that sometimes for some people, you're actually going to come to know God better through studying theology. And that was true for me, but it has always been a tendency to go too far and to uh, really get a thrill out of the learning and not so much the Mm. knowing God uh, part of it. And so... Yeah, this, this this is still with me to this day. There's times where I'll study for hours and I'll realize this has not been a prayerful study. This mm-hmm. has not been a time where I've I've come to love God more. I'm just studying for the sake of studying so I can write something or say something. Uh, and so I have to pause and confess that to God and, and repent uh, and remind myself that I'm not just learning so I can learn <laughs> I'm learning so that I can know the Lord better and be a servant to his people, um, and I can draw on his grace for myself more and more, uh, because it can become cold, cold and dry if I let it, and so I have to be careful with that myself. But what about you, Mark? What's your story with theology? Well, and I, so I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, and, and yet mine was a very low church congregation. Um, people would come to Almond Valley, which is, I would say, a very typical Christian Reformed church, mm-hmm. and um, might be surprised that the church I grew up in met in a school with folding chairs and <laughs> um, really didn't feel all that much like the church that I pastor now or the church yeah. that I pastored for my first call in the CRC, which was, again, more of a traditional, um, established, theologically conservative Christian Reformed congregation. And so that low church uh I would say, more evangelical style of preaching that I would hear week after week uh, did leave me, even as a middle schooler, wanting something more, something a little bit uh, more solid in, in, in the the Pauline sense of moving on from milk to solid food. I, I, I recall as a middle schooler talking with my parents, maybe a little bit pridefully, that I would like a little bit more out of the sermons. And, ter- and, and you know, the minister was a good, was a good pastor, a faithful um, expositor, but uh, was very, very topical, for example. Like, I, I don't believe that we ever would have heard an expository sermon series through, say, Philippians, or especially a longer book of the Bible, like one of the Gospels. And um, so that little story, I think, describes 
my attitude even still in some ways and also the danger for me personally. So I do have a desire to, to dig deeper into theology and to my knowledge of God, and that's good, mm-hmm. but it could be a prideful enterprise for me that I would be thinking, I, I can just know so much more than those low church evangelical Christians who, you know, with their topical sermons, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's something I really have to watch in my own soul because I know that certainly those messages were the word of God and they nourished me very, very well. And there are even some some preachers that I really like who are, I would say, even more topical in their nature, thinking of a guy like Charles Spurgeon, who <laughs> didn't really preach through books of the Bible. He would, yeah. um, I have the the Lost Sermons of Spurgeon book series, and I'll page through it, and it's it jumps all over almost like Spurgeon just closed his eyes and pointed at the table of contents, um, because <laughs> it, it is, there's very little it would seem to me rhyme or reason from one week to the next of why he was choosing certain passages, but yet I can still say the Word of God went forth from the pulpit of the London Metropolitan Tabernacle, and lives were changed, and doctrine even uh, was was taught, yeah, good doctrines were taught to the congregation there, and, and uh, people lived seeking the Lord. And so, um, I, I do think that, that that's still where I'm at in a lot of ways, of of feeling like a guy who maybe leans even a little bit more in a low church direction personally, mm. but also realizes that's only going to go so far, and so I need the theological underpinnings and foundation mm. that are really going to help people work through really complicated things. Um, I've also found personally that when I read old theological works like the Institutes or the Westminster Confession um, or Herman Bovink, a lot of times these authors are dealing with things that are in my blind spot, and so I find a lot more to preach about when I read old theological texts, particularly like Puritan texts, reading something like The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. And and he is often challenging things that I need challenged in my own life, but if I were to just read modern modern works or hear modern sermons, that those could go completely unchallenged. So yeah. theology is, is kind of like a window into a different world in a lot of ways for me, for good, um, perhaps, but also uh, sometimes for that prideful reason, which is not mm. good. So for you, you would say pride would be the, yeah. the distraction of theology, whereas for me, I think it's the accumulation. It's not so much, I don't think for me it's pride. I mean, maybe that's part of it. I'm not saying I'm not prideful. I can be a prideful person. <laughs> but I think for me, it's just that I love to accumulate knowledge and feel mm. like I'm learning something. And it's more about knowing about God than it is knowing God. And that's my my dangerous tendency. Um, and so that's, that's interesting to yeah. sort of psychologically where we're both at and what our our issues are with it here. Well, I don't know if I've ever said on the podcast, but I know I've said to our church in Span in the Spanish language, this is covered very well and very easily with their word to know in hmm. Spanish. And so Spanish has the word saber, which means yeah. to know facts. So I know that Ripon is in California. I know that Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church is at 333 South Wilma in Ripon. And that's head knowledge, that's factual knowledge, and we need some of that knowledge about God, of course. You need to know that Jesus died on a cross, that Jesus says his death was for the ransom of sinners, and and we need that 
knowledge of God. But then there's also conocer in yeah. Spanish, which is to know um, not not just about someone in a factual sense, but to truly know them in a in a very personal way. Yeah, and so. Um, Which gets somebody, a, a biblical idea of knowing God, knowing God, yeah. being known by God, being His His covenant people, right? And and so if if somebody says I know hmm. Almond Valley CRC, they could mean that they know where it's located. That would be saber knowledge, or they yeah. know that I'm the uh, lead pastor and you're the the associate pastor here. That's again, but yeah. uh, um, head knowledge. But if they really know Almond Valley, they would know that. Uh, We've got this guy Minard, who just has the biggest heart in the world and likes to say, and all God's people said, amen, at the end of a really good song, and and we all smile, and um, they would know that, uh, you know, um, there's a guy, Rich Vandenacker, who just passed away a few years ago, and hmm. he always counted the uh, the attendance and was always there, you know, welcoming people and smile on his face, and then people were extremely sad. You know, and that was a, a very, very heartbreaking funeral. You know, when when we said goodbye to Rich Vandenacker, and so there's yeah. there's these things that happen in the community that people know. They, and that's the conocer knowledge yeah. that we're called to have, even of God, that we would know what God desires, not just about yeah. God, but that we would know what the the heart of God is. That's the description of David, right? He had a heart set on the Lord, um, yeah. and uh, theology should prompt conocer knowledge as well as the sub-air type of knowledge. That's a really good distinction. I, I, I do know that those words in Spanish, um, I remember learning them in my Spanish class. I'd never thought about yeah. the applicability of them to this conversation. So I give one. credit to <laughs> the pastor Rich DeRyder of Alger CRC, brother of Bob DeRyder, who is hmm. a local... Uh, a local guy here in um, in Ripon, but Rich DeRyder was a, mini- a missionary into the, the Dominican Republic and gave me that teaching of <laughs> Saber and Conocer. So yeah, good job, Rich. That's helpful. I thought you maybe you would say uh, uh, Dusty, Mr. Yeah. Hookstra from here at <laughs> Senor at Christian, Senor Hookstra. <laughs> One of the listeners of our podcast <laughs> is the Spanish teacher and a good friend of Zach and mine too. Yeah. Uh, so what? Maybe we we can wrap it up here in, a, in the next few minutes, uh, but we we should think about what does scripture say about all of this yeah. uh, we've, we've given our thoughts we've riffed for a while here but what does the word of god say about warning against head knowledge uh, so what would be one yeah. verse that comes to mind for you mark uh, in this in this regard yeah absolutely first corinthians 13 that is yeah. uh, a great passage about the need to love to add love to our knowledge. So, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And I'm sure we can think of people who we know um, who have a lot of that knowledge. The but, saber knowledge. But, yeah, that, but there, there isn't a, a warmth or a doxological nature to their knowledge or to their relationships. And so what it ends up being is just a clanging symbol. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that is maybe one of the most pointed challenges, I would say, to this, um, this puffing up in knowledge that can happen. Even that's a reference, of course, to the Proverbs. Uh, but 
Paul is so clear. We need love. We need to balance our knowledge with love or even have knowledge that prompts us into love of our neighbors. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a, it's probably the preeminent warning against yeah. having pure knowledge and not having that, uh, that knowledge be a, a doxological knowledge where it leads to worship and love for God and for neighbor. Um, and so yeah, that's a good place uh, I think I, I, you know, I studied the scriptures for this the other day as we were preparing, and I didn't find a whole lot that were pure warnings against knowledge. In fact, I found many more um, commendations of knowledge of knowing God, uh, if as long as we're speaking in that idea of knowing God. Uh, but there, there was one from Jeremiah. 9 verses 23 through 24 where we find this thus says the lord let not the wise man boast in his wisdom let not the mighty man boast in his might let not the rich man boast in his riches but let him boast let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me that i am the lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord mm. so don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom which is an interesting take if you read Proverbs, which calls us to becoming wise. It, it, it tells us we must become wise, must get wisdom at all costs, mm-hmm. uh, and, and stop being foolish and stupid, um, which actually is a word used in the Proverbs, uh, stupid. So if there's any kids listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're called to get wisdom, but that wisdom is to be uh, boasting in God and boasting in the Lord, not mm-hmm. in ourselves. That's the kind of wisdom that Proverbs commends. Anyway, it's relying not on yourself, but relying totally on God, fearing Him. That's the the beginning of wisdom. We're told in Proverbs one verse seven, and so we're supposed to have the right kind of knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. And so we need to be careful that we have this right kind of knowledge. And I'll maybe just read one more verse. This is from John seventeen three, the high priestly prayer, as we think about scriptures that encourage true God knowledge, knowledge not just about God, but knowledge of God himself, personal knowledge, that conocer kind of knowledge mm-hmm. where Jesus prays to the Father, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so... We're told eternal life is knowing God. I think that kind of knowing here is the, we, maybe if you've read the Old Testament and you're familiar with it, it talks a lot about knowing mm-hmm. uh, so-and-so, knew so-and-so, and this actually meant that they had sort of a, a marital interrelationship with each other that was not just included intercourse, but it included uh, a total knowledge of one of another, uh, of, of union with one another. And that's that idea here, is, is I think that where Jesus is getting across is that our knowledge of God is that kind of covenantal knowledge, uh, knowing God and being known by God. And that is eternal life. Knowing the facts about God is great. Mm-hmm. Knowing, reading a systematic theology and learning all sorts of mind-blowing truths about God is great, and many people will find that exciting and enthralling, as both of us have. Uh, but there's nothing like knowing God, and you don't need to be an academic theologian to to know God. Uh, you simply need to be one who knows Him uh, 
in a no in a personal way, mm-hmm. and you love him and you trust him. Uh, some of the best theologians I know are people who sit in pews and would never dare speak uh, in front of others. Uh, they would not feel fit to do it, mm. but they they know the Lord in ways that often many theologians only wish they knew the Lord, mm. and so. That is a interesting truth yeah. about Christianity is that uh, knowing the facts doesn't always uh, equate to being the best theologian. Yeah, the, in First John it talks about how you don't you don't need anyone to teach you because you have the anointing of the Spirit. Yeah, and and that's not that that's not a knock against theology. Yeah, but that's meant to encourage the the. The regular lay person sitting in the pew, that you have access to knowledge of God through the Spirit, yeah. and of course it is good to listen to sermons and it's great to read theology books and listen to podcasts too. But um, I think that what can happen with this idolatry of knowledge can be that there starts to be a hierarchy of really good Christians, the ones who know all the hmm. the, the big doctrines and can use the big words and have degrees, and then there's there can be a sense among many people sitting in the pew, and I could never learn that kind of stuff about God. Yeah. That, that would be one of the disastrous results of this podcast or um, <laughs> the way that you and I preach would be that people would feel knocked down actually because they didn't quite understand things. Um, I would say we do, uh, both Zach and I want to build up people in their knowledge, but hopefully it's always towards the goal of them knowing God personally. Um, I, one of the, the, the reasons for this podcast episode is basically that, um, that I hope that my children love Christ and know what sin is and know that sin is, not just know in the general sense, but but really experience that, that sin is bad hmm. and that they need to turn to Jesus for their salvation. And it would be a real shame if we create a podcast with thousands of downloads and I preach to hundreds of people and my own children didn't follow Christ, yeah. um, that that knowledge um, could have been put to good use by the, the Spirit in all sorts of people's lives, but, uh, but hopefully there is a, um, my faith is growing, my reliance on the Lord is growing, and my children are also growing up and seeing somebody who doesn't just know about John Calvin or quote yeah. Herman Bovink, but who really is sorry when I sin and I say that I'm sorry to them and I yeah. point them to Jesus. It's just those basics of Christian piety that round out, I would say, all these lofty ideas that are beautiful and powerful and true. Um, and so that that's kind of what, maybe coming full circle in the conversation, what really prompted this conversation was uh, we want to expound truths and, and, and share good theology with you and Man, we love great theology, um, Zach and I do, but hopefully it is never divorced from a regular Christian life in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, if your theology is not leading you to love the person on the street that you encounter, yeah. if it's not leading you to love the orphan and the widow, yeah. or the everyday average Joe or Jane that you meet in the grocery store, your re- religion is worthless. And so the Christian faith teaches that 
we need to be rounded in all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, our knowledge of the facts of God are important. They help to give structure and uh, weed out false theology. There's lots of people who are very pious but have bad theology, yeah. and they are zealous without knowledge, and that is a dangerous place, we're told in Scripture. And so we need to have these things working together. The Christian life means growth in all of these areas all the time and not... Yeah, and there are theologians, you know, we could think of a guy like Karl Barth who who had, I mean, just about everybody would consider Karl Barth the greatest theologian of the 20th century in terms of systematics. He lived with a mistress for the vast majority of his life and... Something uh, was askew. Just open... Rebellion yep. against God's will, um, shocking sin, yep. and um, that why <laughs> you know I mean he would be sort of the the negative example here of of where this could really go wrong. Amazing thoughts about the Word yeah. of God, but it just didn't permeate into his heart. Yeah, and so we hope that this has been an encouragement to you to seek that kind of proper balance, yeah. uh, not balance for balance sake, but balance for the Lord's sake and for your heart's sake. And so we hope it's been an encouragement and we look forward to seeing you or talking with you all again in the week ahead.